heart, in your heart, in this place today, let his reign begin. Amen? Amen. God is very good to us. And I'm, I have a couple helpers who are helping me pass out some things. Sister Kaylee, Brother Gavin, we don't have youth class today, so I'm putting these young people to work. Everybody said amen. 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 They're going to pass out some papers that have scriptures on it. As you can tell, we are in the middle of an upgrade. Everybody say upgrade. And so we're uh, waiting on some things to be finished, and we will have scriptures up on the wall shortly. But for now, thankfully, the Lord prepared the way, and we have scriptures in writing on paper. Amen. For those of us that may not have actually brought our Bibles with us, everything is on paper. So as you get your hand out, and if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, you can turn to Genesis chapter 28. We'll start reading in verse 1, Genesis chapter 28. I, I was reaching for uh, kind of a funny story. I thought I was supposed to preach on Sunday. And uh, I had talked to Sister Becky already about a slide, and here's what I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for service. And, you know, it was a Sunday sermon the Lord had given me, so then when I realized that pastor was scheduled to preach on Sunday, and I was scheduled to preach tonight, I, I started reaching out to the Lord again because I want to preach that other message on a Sunday. And uh, I didn't feel like that was what I should teach tonight. I feel like that's a message for the group that we have that's multiplied on Sunday. And this particular message started reaching for me, and I, I feel very strongly that God wants to communicate a mission to us for the holiday season. A mission for the holiday season of blessing your family this Christmas. Genesis 28 verse 1 says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram unto the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Everybody said amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask the Lord to help us hear what he has to say tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for this people that have gathered today. Thank you for this word that you have opened up before us to study tonight. I pray that you would give us understanding. Open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive from your word and your spirit today. And God, help us to be mission-minded this Christmas among our family and friends and our church family, Lord, that we might live out this word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to do my best to remember where I have blanks that uh, you all need to fill in on your handout but I have also hidden some uh, of the keys among the people of God among us. And so if you don't, if you miss an answer as we're going through, uh, all of the pastoral staff members have a copy. Sister Dory has a copy and Sister Shayla has a copy of, the, of all of the answers. And so feel free to see them after service and they can help you fill it out. So how many of you want uh, to give gifts to loved ones this Christmas? I do. 
How many of you think it's an extra bonus if that gift that you're giving costs you nothing? I am here to tell you about a $0 cost gift that you can give your family this year. It costs exactly $0. Even with inflation, costs exactly $0. And this gift has really become a lost art form, I think. It's something that uh, we don't automatically do, and unless someone gives us instruction or the Lord moves on us, it's not customary in our culture to bless our loved ones in this way. And so today I want to talk about this concept, this custom of blessing, especially your children and your grandchildren, but blessing your family. This passage is the second time that Isaac blessed Jacob. Uh, This is when he actually knew what he was doing and who he was talking to. He wasn't deceived in this blessing. The first time, Jacob lied and said he's Esau, and he claimed the blessing. But then this time, Isaac is talking to Jacob. He knows he's talking to Jacob, and he knows he's blessing Jacob. And he, he follows a particular pattern or a model to bless Jacob. And he did three things. Now, this is just one model or one pattern that the Bible presents of a way to bless a family member. First of all, he called Jacob. He called Jacob. And the Hebrew phrase, it's actually two words that are put together that's translated as called. It it means he used his name like we would call someone, Jacob. He called Jacob. But he also beckoned him close. There was this physical demonstration of Isaac's desire that Jacob draw close to him to receive this blessing. And so he called him with his name, and he called him close physically to receive the blessing. He called Jacob. The second is he blessed Jacob. And that means he declared the promises of God to him. He spoke out what God had promised over his forefathers and over his descendants He echoed the faithfulness of God and repeated God's promise over his progeny. And Isaac's blessing mirrored what God's blessing of Noah was when God blessed the family of Noah and said, go forth and multiply, be fruitful, replenish the earth. Isaac took that model. He reached back into history. He took that model for a blessing, and he applied that blessing forward to his family. He called Jacob, he blessed Jacob, and then he charged Jacob. He gave him instructions. Don't, don't, don't go among these pagan, godless people and get a wife. Go to my family that know the people of God, or the, the, that know the one true God, and choose a wife from them. And these instructions lead toward Jacob having a better life. See, Esau had already married uh, people from that area, and, and, he, and Isaac and Rebekah had seen how that had played out, and they were, they were wearisome to Isaac and Rebekah. And so Isaac said, don't do that. Don't do what your brother did. Go do something else. He charged Jacob during the blessing. He tasked him with uh, uh, following a path that would lead him closer to God. And this was the custom of the time, to bless the family members. And it wasn't just sons. Daughters were also blessed. We read in Genesis 24 and 60, they blessed Rebekah 
And they said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. These blessings are not small. These blessings see far off into the future, and she has become the mother of thousands of millions today. When we look at the Jewish population, she is the mother of thousands of millions. Let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. So two things happen here. Number one, they they highlight their family relationship. Thou art our sister. There's that focus on proximity and closeness and relationship. You're you're our sister. And then they declare you're going to be fruitful. God's going to multiply you. You're going to be the mother of all these many people. And your descendants are going to rule over those who hate them. They prophesied over her, that, they, that, that her descendants would possess the gate of their enemies. What that means is that they would rule, govern over their enemies. The gate is where governance happened. And this announcement, pronouncement happened at a pivotal time in life. At the time that Rebecca was getting ready to leave the house of her brother to go and marry Isaac. And so blessings can happen at different times. Isaac blessed Jacob when he was getting ready to, go, to leave the house. Rebecca was blessed when she was getting ready to leave the house. Pivotal life moments where things were spoken of, of such value that when the Lord showed this history to Moses, he recorded it for us thousands of years later to read and to know that this is a custom that we can adopt and we can implement. There are more scriptural examples in the Old Testament. Genesis 48, Jacob blesses Joseph and his two sons. I'm going to challenge you to read that passage. It is one of the most, I was moved to tears reading it afresh. Because it's so beautiful when you know the story of Joseph and his long separation from Jacob. And you see how Jacob put his hands on the children of that lost boy. And began to pray and to prophesy. Joseph, in verse 10, brought the boys to Jacob. And Jacob kissed them and embraced them. There was physical touch, physical contact, closeness and proximity. In verse 14, he puts his hands on their head. In verse 15 and 16, he starts to testify about God's faithfulness. And tell Ephraim and Manasseh what God had been to him, provider, caretaker, that he was faithful, that he protected, and he's testifying to these young boys. And he speaks of the promises of God that they may not have ever heard about, except that Joseph taught them. He speaks the promises of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and now Israel. And he begins to prophesy in verse 20 what the Lord has shown him, that the younger will be greater than the elder. Do you see that God is moving through these blessings? He's opening understandings and he's allowing the prophetic to come into play. And If you continue reading the very next chapter in verse 49, as Jacob is still on his deathbed, he continues to prophesy and to bless all of his sons. You can read through each one name by name. He he charges them. He calls them to him. He charges them and he blesses them. That pattern is visible. 
And these are just examples of some of the familial blessings that happened in Genesis. You can also see some other types of blessings. Uh, in, Genesis tw- in Genesis 14, we see that Melchizedek blessed Abram when Abram paid tithes of his gains from the, the, the military conquest that he had just been on. He tithed to Melchizedek, the high priest of the one true God. And in that, Melchizedek turned back around and blessed Abram. He spoke a blessing over him. Moses blessed the artisans who labored to create the tabernacle in in Exodus 39. The Bible says that Moses blessed them. He spoke a blessing over those who were working to create the tabernacle. Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people of God in Leviticus 9.22, and he blessed them at the dedication of the tabernacle. The first offering of sin, uh, sin offerings of the tabernacle, Aaron turned around, and after making sacrifice, he blessed the people. Joshua, when they had started taking territory in Israel, and the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh were ready to possess their territory, Joshua blessed them. As they took possession of their heritage, Joshua spoke a blessing over the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And when you look at the blessings that, I've, the, the, the few that I've mentioned here, the, the thread that ties them all together, whether it's a blessing uh, uh, in a family context or a spiritual leader that is blessing the people who are following, the, the thread that weaves it all together is spiritual authority. Whether it's a parent or a grandparent driving that blessing down the generations, or it's a pastoral-type leader in the Old Testament, Aaron as the priest, or Moses as the deliverer, or Joshua as the, the leader of Israel as they are taking conquest. You see the spiritual authority that God is using to drive the blessing down to those who are following. Spiritual authority is the channel that God will use to invoke a blessing on a family, on a people. And so if we're looking for models and examples of how we can become blessors of those who follow us, be aware it, it, it channels through spiritual authority. Through spiritual authority. And of course we get into the New Testament. And this custom continues. This is not just an Old Testament idea. In, in our, our Christmas story, I, a story that I, I love coming back to every year. I'm a, I, I'm a Christmas fan. Those who know me know that. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, after Jesus was born eight days after his birth, they presented him at the temple. Mary and Joseph brought him to be circumcised. And Luke 2.25 says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So here is a man walking according to the Spirit, 
all that was available to him at the time. And he's walking prophetically toward Jesus Christ at the temple. And the, he came by the spirit into the temple and the Lord, I'm sorry. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law or to have him circumcised, then Simeon took the baby up in his arms. There's that physical contact again. And he blessed him. And he said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. He's prophesying a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the, thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things that were spoken of him. And Simeon what? Simeon blessed them. And said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce Mary through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So in these moments of speaking, blessing, God is opening spiritual understanding so that that blessor can impart understanding and impart prophetic insight. Looking at the future, whether it's over a child or over a young man or on a deathbed as a father prays over his sons or as Simeon is praying and thanking God for this messianic uh, uh, deliverer. That God has sent. Mark chapter 10, we see that it continues in the, in the New Testament. They brought young children to him, him being Jesus, that he should what? Touch them. That he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw that they rebuked them, he was much displeased. And he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. There's something about that physical contact when you're blessing a child, when you're blessing, and that, that loving touch. That they feel both uh, they, that physical contact and they hear the spiritual words that are being pronounced over them, declared over them. This is a powerful concept. You know, you parents, I know you pray for your children. But do you bless your children in their hearing with your hands on them? Jesus and Simeon were flowing in this spiritual authority in the New Testament, and we see something new, this family-style blessing that involves the touch, the laying on of hands, is now moved into a church concept, if we talk about the, the temple, and a relational concept where Jesus is laying hands on the children with a loving touch to bless them. This is the family blessing that we see in the Old Testament that's now present in the church setting. And I think this is why 
I think this is just my opinion, but I think this is why so many of Paul's epistles begin with what could be read as a blessing. The prayers of Paul at the beginning of his epistles where he's writing to churches that he has fathered in the Holy Ghost. If you, if you follow my drift, an, an apostle is, an, is a fathering servant. They're, they're um, operating in that gift of raising up churches and building up congregations. And so Paul is, as an apostolic spiritual father, writing blessings to the churches that he has brought into being. And so as I look at the themes of Paul's blessings, I I count seven. There are many more. I'm just going to go over seven. But first, he thanked God for every member of the body of Christ. That's often how he begins his epistles, and there are references. I encourage you, if this is something that interests you and you want to learn more about it, read his prayers, his blessings over the churches. So he thanked God for every member of the body of Christ. He prayed for them to have wisdom and knowledge and spiritual insight. Wisdom and knowledge and spiritual insight. He declared unity and peace among the family of God. Unity and peace. He pronounced spiritual strength over the saints. Spiritual strength. He prayed for them to be holy and pure and to produce good fruit. That they would be holy and pure and produce good fruit. He blessed them to abound in praise and thankfulness toward God. Praise and thankfulness toward God, and he declared that the people of God should be filled with love and joy and hope. Why am I going into all this detail? Because at the end of the night, when you've filled in all these blanks, you're going to have words that you can pronounce over your loved ones in blessing. These are models that we can follow. And so wouldn't your child or your grandchild or your adult child love to have these things called over them? In blessing. I know we have a pastor, spiritual authority, who prays for us. He prays for us. And I appreciate the prayers that happen in the closet that nobody hears. But it's very powerful to me when pastor walks to the pulpit and begins to pray for the church. Begins to pray maybe for needs, but also for the advancement of the kingdom of God in Belleville. And as he begins to lay his burden out in intercession over this pulpit, it does something in the Holy Ghost. And he begins to speak prophetically. Why? Because he's acting as that spiritual authority to bless, to call out a prospering spirit that this church would prosper. I don't know that I've ever told him this, but when I, when I went for my ordination... Um, I, it had been a, a long day of travel. I, I flew in, uh, went to the service and had to fly right out the next day to go to a service. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but it was, it was less than 24 hours that I was in Illinois for the ordination. 
so I'm at this ordination service, and they have us all seated across the front, everybody that's getting, I think there were five of us that were getting ordained, and they call up the presbyters, and uh, Brother Russell was a presbyter that was praying with me, and there was another gentleman praying with me, and they were charged with representing the organizational authority that we were being commissioned by. I'm, I'm ordained through the United Pentecostal Church, and so these gentlemen represented organizational authority to commission me in, in the ordination process. And don't tell any of, either of those guys. <laughs> but as they prayed for me, I literally didn't feel anything. Like, I, I was so tired from traveling. I was, I was there as a formality in some ways. And I really didn't feel very much until Pastor came up and laid his hand on me. And now it wasn't, wasn't organizational authority as much as it was spiritual authority. And he began to speak and to prophesy. And I'm telling you, powerful things happen when we align ourselves in submission under our spiritual authority to receive the blessing that that spiritual authority can speak over us. And that brings me to this. Parents, I know Hannah and Brian, I know that you take up that baby and you pray for him. Soraya, I know you lay hands on your two children and you pray for them. I know that in in your closet, you're praying for them prayers they don't even hear. That they don't know that you're praying for them. I woke up in the middle of the night many times as a child with my parents speaking in tongues and praying and calling out my name in the middle of the night. I know that you pray for your children, whether they are infants or teenagers or 20-somethings or 30-somethings, 40-somethings. For those 50-somethings that are blessed to still have their parents. And you pray for specific things. You pray that their souls would be saved. You pray that their needs would be met. You pray that their bodies would be healthy that their hearts would be generous, that their futures would be favored, that their spouses would be loving toward God and toward your child. You pray that your children's children will be godly. I know you pray for your children, but when was the last time you took them up in your arms? Sat them on your lap if they're that size. Held them in an embrace and spoke blessing over them. What God has been to your family. What God is to them. What God can be to them. Who they are in the Holy Ghost. A mighty man of valor. A powerful woman of faith. I believe this is something that God is challenging our church to do. And it's not just about the connection of grandparent or parent to child and grandchild. We are blessors to each other. We uplift each other. I can speak wholeness and provision and, 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 and deliverance over my brothers and sisters in blessing intentionally allowed so that people hear it. 
Yes, it's important when Hannah and Brian grab that baby and pray and bless him. He can't understand a word they say yet. He's learning. But your 12-year-old hears that blessing. Mama and Daddy believe in me. They believe God has a purpose for me. They believe that I'm going to do great things in the kingdom of God and that God will bless my talents and my skills and my abilities if I apply myself. God's going to do great things. That 25-year-old hears, God, I'm proud of this young man. I'm proud of this young lady. And I know that you have a plan for their life. Hold them, keep them, grow them, develop them. The blessings that you pray over your children. It does not matter how old your child is. That 30-year-old, I've been 30-something at some point. I remember starting to know how much I didn't know. That happens around 30. Grab your 30-year-old, wrap them up in your arms and Bless them. This is my challenge to you, my charge to you for this holiday season. Some of you won't see your children any other time but this holiday season. Some of you, it's going to be a Zoom call, a phone call. Some of you who have estranged relationships, you're going to grab a picture of your baby. And you're going to hold it and you're going to speak in faith. You're going to talk about the restoration that God's going to bring to your relationship with your child. And you're going to speak great and godly things over them and remind them through that picture who they are. They're a child of a child of God. Whether they're a child of God yet or not, they are a child of a child of God. And God wants to restore them and bring them home. Amen. Amen. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. I want us to take on that challenge this season. I want us to take on that challenge. That's why I've given you the papers. These are models of how you may bless your family this Christmas. Because it doesn't matter how many gifts you wrap so pretty and put under the tree. Nothing is more valuable than a blessing from a spiritual authority that they could receive this season. And so with that in mind, and as I was short, I planned and asked pastor, as our spiritual authority, to provide a blessing for us today. So whether you are here in the room or you're watching on Facebook I have prayed and believe that God is going to do something through the blessing of our spiritual authority and our pastor tonight. So I'm going to ask us to open ourselves up and hear, remember what it is that he will speak according to the flow of the Holy Ghost, not to put pressure on him, but to loose God to speak and say what he wants to say through our spiritual leader. Amen? Amen. Will you receive that tonight? Amen. I've asked him to share a little exhortation as well, and he's going to lead us and bless us tonight. Pastor, would you come? Thank you, Sister Melissa. I mean, that was great teaching. Praise the Lord. And uh, 
very needed and something that is uh, not as much practiced, I think, as we should. Although I do remember when our kids were small, we prayed for them every night, individually, every one of them. And if you skip them, you say, hey, you forgot me. Mom, come in here. You need to pray for me, you know. Every night we prayed from a laying on of hands and prayed for them and went through a certain cycle and certain things, and they're good. It's repetitious in many ways. It varies in certain times depending on needs. But they're old and grown now, and I've got a 48-year-old. I've got a 39-year-old. I've got a 36-year-old and a 34-year-old. And I've got grandkids with them, and I still pray for them. I do. And I pray for my grandchildren. This last couple of days, my wife and I have been babysitting and nursing sick kids. And uh, there was nobody else that could help. Everybody else, they can't go to school, can't go to daycare. So it's her and I. Today was her full day today. Amen. But Monday and Tuesday, we switch off. Amen. As much as we can. You better believe I take these, those babies, I rebuke those fevers, I rebuke the sickness, I rebuke, amen, the enemy coming against them. When my uh, next older one, you know, Ava goes going to school, she's in, uh, well, she's six years old. But uh, I, I pray for protection. I pray for uh, protection against uh, evil and, and evil people and uh, people that would, that would hurt her or bother her or whatever. I pray for a hedge about her. And uh, for my grandkids who aren't here, but far away and distant, it's an important part of our responsibility as parents and grandparents. Uh, and it is uh, a responsibility of spiritual leaders to pray for the people that God has brought under them. And although I'm, I'm just an under-shepherd, I'm not really a shepherd, I'm an under-shepherd under the Lord Jesus, the chief shepherd of our souls, and I'm just a vessel and just a conduit like you are. It is God who placed me where I am. Uh, even Paul writes in the book of Hebrews, no man taketh this honor upon himself. I didn't decide one day that I'm going to be a pastor because I wanted to be one. No. God called me that. As far as I was concerned, I was going to be a missionist. Even to that, I couldn't call myself. God called me to that. And every step of the way. I did, I'm not in here by ambition. I'm not here for any other reason except that God called me. And I knew the seriousness of that call and also the seriousness of not obeying that call. And, uh, and I didn't want to have any regrets in my life. And, uh, and here I am. And I'm doing it uh, with joy. And I've, I've really had great blessings in the process. What a great teaching here. I'm going to piggyback right on here on, on, uh, on praying for children and blessing in general. going to the ironic blessing. But before I forget it, anything at this, I want to make sure I, I express my deepest appreciation to Andrea and Becky Poole for the decorations they put together, labored several days and putting it together. Thank you, Andrea. And thank you, Becky, who's not here tonight. Uh, she's convalescing. And I do also thank uh, Corey Ivey, Larry Timmons, and uh, Brother Eric Wiley and even his son, there were several days here laboring, moving the projection stuff around and weight wires and cables and everything. And I tell you, I don't know how they do it. And Sister Ruth, I want to thank her. She spent many hours trying to make sure the connections are working right. And it didn't yet, but it will. Amen. That's why I hate electronics. <laughs> I hate them. Amen. I, I like to use them, but when, I, when, it, when you turn it on, I want it to work. I want it to work right, and I want it to work the way it's supposed to. If not, I call somebody else <laughs> who has the patience for it. I don't have patience for that kind of stuff. 
Amen. Praise God. But I want to I bring your attention before we pray and have the pastoral staff come up here to pray for you with me. Um, is the Aaronic prayer in, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. And I've, I felt led to this. The moment that Sister Melissa texted me and asked me if I could do this, I said, do you mind if I do the, the Aaronic prayer? I'll focus on it. She said, no, that's it. It'll work out perfect. And so here I am. I really believe we're in the, in the will of God tonight. I really do. And, and I really ask you to pay particular attention to this prayer that God told Moses to tell Aaron to tell his sons to pray over Israel consistently and regularly. In fact, this prayer was prayed after the morning devotion, the morning sacrifice every day when there was the tabernacle and temple. And later on also, it was con- uh, uh, continued in the synagogues. And uh, so this is a very important prayer for many reasons. And, and this is why uh, I, I want to, to bring this to your attention. So Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27 uh, Moses just got done talking about uh, the Nazarite vow and, uh, and what that consists of and how important that is uh, uh, to God and to do it right. In conclusion of that, God spoke to Moses about this prayer, the prayer of blessing. And it's in uh, verse 22 of chapter 6 of Numbers. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Now notice every time you see Lord here uh, in your Bible, or even a digital version, it's all capital letters, which means it's the tetragrammaton. It's the four letters in Hebrew for Yahweh. It's Y-H-W-H. It's Yahweh. It's Jehovah. It is the Lord, Savior, the Deliverer. It's the saving name of God. So it says, the Lord, Yahweh, bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Now verse 27 is just continuing the instructions. But the prayer itself is read verse 24, 25, and 26. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Now, please understand that this, this prayer was dictated by God. It was recorded by scripture. And it was to be pronounced regularly over the children of Israel. Regularly, consistently, time and time again, day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, for over 1,500 years until the temple was destroyed after uh, 70 AD that deceased and only continued in the synagogues. But this was a very important prayer of blessing for the people in Israel's history. In fact, in 1979, an archaeological team went to uh, unearth a burial site just south of Mount Zion in the Valley of Hinnom, and they uncovered uh, a, a phylactery, which was, you know, one of those things that they put on the arms with leather straps or on their frontlets like this when they went to pray. And they found in one of these phylacteries two silver-plated scrolls that were rolled up I hate to say it, but compared to cigarettes, 
that size to fit in that little compartment on the arms, but it was in silver and engraved in that phylactery in two versions was, it was this prayer right here. And this dated back to uh, the 7th or 8th century before Jesus Christ, seven 800 years before that. And so that's about six, 700 years after Moses was told and instructed uh, to say this prayer for, uh, for the people of Israel and also for Aaron and his sons and the priesthood to do this. Now, this is important for several ways. Number one, this, is, uh, uh, this affirms this, the importance of this prayer, how important prayer was, that this prayer of blessing in their everyday life, even hundreds of years later after Moses first received this command. And also, for, believe it or not, it is the oldest record when they found this phylactery and this silver scroll. It's the oldest item that we have that records the name of God, the Tetramegaton, uh, uh, Yahweh, with any record of it, inscription, in history. So it, it actually affirms the word of God again, that the word of God is true. It is, it is valid. It is from God. Hallelujah. And so uh, the tetragrammaton is the YHWH. And the first thing that God says is, on this wise shall ye bless, saying. That word is a saying. God is actually putting the words of the blessing into the mouth of the priests. And he literally said, this is what I want you to say. Now, not many prayers recorded in the Bible actually uh, were, were meant to be repeated. Uh, it is, for example, recorded for us what Paul prayed, but never does it instruct us to say these words and pray the same way. It's given to us for an example. Because God really does not want us to actually put his words in our mouth except by the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want us to be repetitious in our prayer. He doesn't want to dictate our words to him. He wants those words to come from us. And that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. Uh, but, but in this particular instance, when it comes to a blessing and a blessing from God, he wanted to make sure that certain things are addressed. And the first thing is that, that, that we see that, that God desires to bless his people. He desires to bless humanity. And when it comes to commanding a blessing upon his people, God wanted to make sure that the priests who mediate between God and man, his people, would never leave anything out from that blessing, whether it be to forgetfulness, whether it be ignorance, even unbelief or neglect, a priest may be getting a, uh, in a, a, a habit of repetition and, uh, you know, they don't believe it anyway. It's the same thing over and over. And then they miss something and neglect it. And God said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down. And Moses, this is exactly what I want. You. I want everybody to memorize it. And every priest has to say it the same way. This is what I want you to say. And it begins with saying, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. It shows that God wanted his people to see that God desires to bless his people. And all blessings begin with him. I said all blessings begin with him. Not a blessing as we might think for happiness and comfort and wealth. Although those are good things. But you know, a lot of times we think a blessing, a blessing. It's always something that we want. It's something that we think we want. We want want to relax. We want a place where we don't have to do anything. We want all the comforts of life, and and that's it. 
And yet we have to remember that God always has our greatest good and our highest good in mind. And the things that he considers blessings are different than some of the things that we might consider to be blessings. And the problem is we many times don't even recognize it or see it. But this prayer reveals it. And so he says, uh, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The word keep means to, to, to ensure life and peace and success. Is to keep his hand upon you. And he says to make his face shine upon you. That's the face of God in this expression. As someone is well pleased. God, amen, is, is approving of his people. Not disapproval. You know, when, when, if you're parents... You know, when there's times you have to send your kid to the room, time out, and, you know, you have this look of disapproval. I guess it's the kind of face that God would have on Adam and Eve when he sent him out of the garden, drove him out. But when he receives them, that's his face shining. I want God's face to shine towards me. Amen. I want his, his countenance to, uh, to shine upon me with approval and not disapproval. But he's saying here that in your blessing, bless the people, that God's face would shine upon you in approval. And then he says, and be gracious unto thee, as to show tender mercy and care for his people, knowing that they would have faults and they would sin and they would mess up. And, and the blessing says, Lord God, be gracious to them. Be merciful. Care for these people. You know, just like you and I, when, when our children fall, when they hurt themselves, and when they do things they know they ought not to do because they know better. You taught them that if they do it anyway, what are you going to do? You're going to, their tears and their pain break your heart. That's the same way with God. And really God is saying these words to remind us people that when we do those things, it breaks his heart too. And when we suffer the consequences that we do, he cares about us, just like you and I care about our kids. Be gracious unto thee to show thee mercy and care for the people. And then he says, the Lord lift his countenance upon thee. And that means to, to, to pay attention to you in a favorable way. That God would continue to look upon his people as they go through everyday life. Amen. It speaks of loving attention. On the believer. It's like parents watching the kids. I don't know about when, when, when the days are nice. I take Ava out to the, to the, to the park. And, uh, and, and even little Michael. He's enough now. A year and a half. Whatever he can do. He just loves going around. That. But you know. When, when just, if it's just Ava and I. And she's out there running around. Uh, she's having a great time. And, I'm, and sometimes. I'm like, look, look Poppy. She called me Poppy. Look, Poppy, and then she showed me the things, to, the things she can climb and whatnot. You know what? And I look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And she loves for me to know that I'm watching her. You know what I'm talking about? Parents and grandparents, uh, they, 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 they do their things. Going, and, you know, that's what God wants us to think about, his blessings upon us, that, that he, he loves looking at us favorably as we go through the walk of life Daily. And he wants us to understand that he's watching us. He's watching you as you go through your daily life. And he's. Yeah, it's great. Amen. 
Hallelujah. That's part of the blessing. It's just loving attention. And it's watching the kids, watching his kids. And then he says, and give you peace. Again, God talking. It's not just an absence from war or aggression that he's talking about. This kind of shalom in the Hebrew doesn't refer to just not, no violence or no aggression and no war. But it also talks about wholeness and goodness and total satisfaction of life. Did you catch that? It's goodness, wholeness, and total satisfaction in life. That's what peace is. In this context, in this word shalom. It's not just peace. Okay, everything's quiet and cool. I can sit down. No, no, it's more than that. Are you satisfied with your life? Are you whole emotionally, mentally? Are you whole physically? Are you whole spiritually? Are you okay? And so God, in blessing his people through the priest, the priesthood, the the intermediaries, would want us to consider his peace that is most important as wholeness and goodness and total satisfaction with your life. Amen. Are we satisfied with our life? I think this is what life Jesus was talking about in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for the steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's the life and blessed life that Jesus came to give us. It's this wholeness. It's this completeness. Hallelujah. It's this complete satisfaction with life. Hallelujah. Now, notice if you, if you have this scripture before you, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have a handout. Amen. But notice, it, it, if, if you counted up, I did, uh, the Lord in capital letters, L-O-R-D, Jehovah, is mentioned three times. Three times in these three verses. But the word thee or you is mentioned six times. In fact, look at this. Uh, the Lord, the Lord, bless thee and keep thee. That's two. Verse 25. The Lord make us find uh, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. That's four. Verse 26. The Lord. Lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Six times. So the emphasis here is deliberate that we would not think that this is all about God here. That the blessing here is about you. And that God wants to bless you, not somebody else. It's, you know, a lot of times when, when we, we have the move of God here and, and there are great things happening and we hear great testimonies about what God has done for this person because of a job or a financial blessing or a healing or, or somebody's child coming back to God. We think, well, okay, it's just for them, but it's not for me. And God is saying, no, 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 it's for thee, 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 thee. Six times. God wants to bless you, 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 you. And that's the emphasis of this prayer. It's for you, not for somebody else. Hallelujah. And so, uh, in verse 27, after he makes sure that the emphasis is recognized that this blessing is for the people and not for the priesthood or God, he says in verse 27, to Moses, and this is instruction again, it's not the prayer. Now we stop with the prayer. And he said, 
This is how God ends up with it. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. In other words, when they do this, when they are blessed by God, you got the name of God on you. You got his nature. You've got his, you've got his, his name. Uh, you've got everything that he is upon you. And he says, when, when you do what I tell you, hallelujah, and you bless them, this blessing, you're actually identifying with me and my nature and who I am. So when you are blessed in this matter, when the children of Israel are blessed, they're really identifying with all that Yahweh, the deliverer is, the Savior, salvation, everything that he has to offer. Praise God. Now, I came across an interesting fact in Jewish rabbinical literature uh, that this word Shem, this, this tetragrammaton, the, the Yahweh, as the Jews would say, Yahweh, Jehovah, they wouldn't want to pronounce it. They call it Hashem, meaning the name. I mean, the name, ha, is that the word? Shem. Now, it's interesting to me because I per- perked up on that. I began to dig deeper. And I didn't read it. What, what I felt in my mind, what I felt in my spirit, Hashem. Noah's second son was Shem. The Shemites, the Semites were the lineage, as you know, that came from Adam and, of course, down to the, the, to the, the, the redeeming seed, the seed of Christ came from Shem, Abraham came from Shem. Shem means in Hebrew literally name. And I wonder if no one named that it's because of the name. They were people of the name. They were the people, hallelujah, charged with keeping the name. The Yahweh, the Elohim, the one and only God, the one and only true God. Praise the name of the Lord. And we see the ironic blessing because when you bless them the way I tell you, you're putting my name, Yahweh's name on them, which is the name, the self-existent one. I don't want to go any deeper on the Yahweh. But I'll tell you what, I was blessed by that as I was just preparing for this just this afternoon. And so uh, they were uh, the only the people named. And this is why my, really this prayer was not meant for any other nation. Nobody else. They couldn't say this prayer for anybody else except an Israelite. Those who were the people of God. Those who were the covenant. They were the committed. They were the uh, consecrated. And uh, they were the holy people of God. These are the ones that had this blessing. The ones who were part of the covenant. And of course, later on, the other gift would come upon the church. Because we're kings and priests in the kingdom. And we have responsibility to pray and be intermediary between God and man as well. Right? Amen. And so I'm closing with two verses. Andy, you can come, and uh, the singers can come, and I want the pastoral staff to come. But I just want us to reflect on the fact, what a blessing it is to have the name of God upon us. You know, when you were baptized in Jesus' name, the name of God was put on you. When you got the Holy Ghost, it came in Jesus' name. His name is not only on you, he's in you. Stand with me, if you will. Ephesians 1.3, listen to what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And we see that Jesus, the high priest of our profession, in Luke 24.50, after his resurrection, comes and he says, He led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands bless them and we're called to be like Jesus what we're going to do 
He's going to pray. I'm going to pray this, this, this blessing of God. And now you have better understanding of why this is important and why it was so important to God and what it all means. This is important. But if you don't consider it valuable, it won't, be, it won't have an effect on you. All blessings must be received by faith. Abraham received it by faith from Melchizedek. Isaac did. Jacob did. All down the line. We receive this thing by faith. It's not because I pray, but it's the God who gives the promise. And here's the deal, folks. What promise and blessing God makes, the devil can't rescind. There's no man or woman big enough in this world. There's no devil big enough in hell to rescind the blessing that God commands. If you don't believe me, all you do is got to go back and ask King Balak. See, when he tried to curse Israel through Balaam, never worked. And it never will. Because God is God. And he's our father. And he loves us. And he wants to bless us. Praise God. Sister Melissa, Mike, and Brother Brian is here. Amen. I'm going to read this prayer, and then we're going to go into a prayer, and then we're going to extend our hands toward the congregation. Okay? I'm going to pray this as Aaron would pray to Israel. I use this as a springboard right now. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands up towards heaven and receive it.